Hey, everybody. Well, we have been talking recently about, about Advent. And we said a couple weeks ago that Advent, the word Advent, literally just means to arrive or, or to come. And so we're taking four weeks, and we're just looking at what does Jesus' arrival on the earth, what does God's arrival on the earth as a man mean for us today in, in 2020? And so we've been looking through uh, John chapter 1. So you can go ahead and turn there with me. So John chapter 1. And so far, this is the third week of our series. So far, we've seen a few things. First of all, we said that Jesus comes, that Jesus came so that we can have light and life. And we said what the light does is just like you can imagine yourself driving on a dark highway without any headlights. If you don't have your headlights, you don't know where to go and you're in a lot of danger. But God's, but Jesus shines the light onto our lives so that we can see the danger and we can see how we ought to live. And then last week, Matt talked some about how we get to have the privilege of sharing this light with other people and how John the Baptist was our example of that. He was a witness and he didn't force people to believe, but he was a witness to, to the light and how that's the privilege that we have if we're following Jesus as well. And today we're going to talk about the fact that Jesus coming to the earth, that he didn't just do something for us individually. He does something for us as a group as well. He does something for us as a family. And he, he's making us into, into a family. So let's look at John 1. John 1, uh, we're going to read 9 through 13. John 1, 9 through 13. It says that the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And he, as Jesus, he was in the world... And the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So the big idea that we're going to talk about today is that Jesus is coming to the earth, God coming to the earth as a man, means that we, those of us that, that believe in Jesus, those of us that receive him as our Lord and Savior, that we're a family. That, that we're a family. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. What comes to your mind when you hear the word family? You know, Christmas is definitely a time where we... One of the things that we get to do is we get to spend time with family. And I, I see today, I see some kids home from college, and I know that many of us, including my, myself, are, are going to be able to be gathering with our extended family over the next week for, for Christmas. And, and so family is a big part of Christmas. And, you know, for some of us, I think how, however we kind of process that concept of family, however that hits us, 
I think we would all agree, I think you'd agree with me, that family is a very powerful thing. Wouldn't you say? That all of us have a, an emotional reaction to the idea or the concept of family, right? And for some of us, our family, when we think of family, we think of a place of, of, of warmth and a place of safety and a place of love and a place of belonging and a place of fun. And we just, just kind of get a smile on our face when we think about our family or when we think about getting a chance to go be with our family. And some of us, for some of us, maybe family doesn't bring up such positive feelings and positive ideas. Maybe for us, family brings up a lot of feelings of, of hurt. Maybe family makes us think of a lot of broken relationships, maybe of loneliness, maybe, maybe even of abuse or something like that. But, but I, think, I think you would agree with me that no matter what our experience with family has been, there, there's kind of something in us there's, there's just this desire that we have as human beings, creating God's image, to be a part of a family where we're loved, where we're known, and where we, we have, where we belong, right? And so I, I want to ask you too, how, how do you think, when you think about coming to church this morning, when you, for those of us that are, that are here um, physically under the tent or next to the tent, as you kind of look at the people that are next to you, the people that are in front of you or behind you, um, how do you think about how do you think about those people? How do you think about what we're what are we doing what are we doing right now? And and for those of you that are watching at home or watching this later, how do you think about the people that are apart, the other people that believe in Jesus along with you, if you do believe in Jesus? And you know, I think sometimes we think of sometimes we can think of church or what we're doing here. It's easy to think of it as kind of like kind of like school, right? Kind of like we're going to, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm teaching, you know, we're, we have a text and you guys, some people are taking notes and, and you're, you're listening. It's kind of, it's kind of like school, right? We're, we're learning. I mean, we might think, oh, that's kind of what church is. Church is like school. You're, you're learning something valuable that you're going to apply to your life. And it's true, we are trying to learn something and there is teaching that's a big part of what we do together as, as Christians. But that's not all it is. And I think sometimes, you know, if, for, for myself, spending um, over 10 years at, on the mission field, it, it's easy to think about Christians, and as we gather together with Christians, okay, what are we doing? Who are we? Okay, well, we're an army. Have you thought of that before? We're, you know, we're here to, to fill ourselves up and deploy out so we can, we have a mission, and we're trying to accomplish this mission together. Right? And, and, and that's certainly true. We do have a mission. At, at certain points in, in First Timothy, um, Paul tells us that we should conduct ourselves like good soldiers trying to, trying to, to please our commanding officer. So that's, that's partially true. But I don't think that the idea of a, of a school or the idea of an army really gets to the heart of what, of what, what the church is and, and what we're supposed to be doing when, when we're here. And I think one of the most helpful things I've heard is something one of my seminary professors said a few years ago was that if you look at the New Testament, okay, what is the most commonly used metaphor for the church? And you can think of a lot of them. But the mo if, you, if you look at the way, especially the New Testament authors address their letters that they're writing, 
how do they usually address the people that they're writing to? What do they usually say? The body, the family. Very often, Paul will say, okay, brothers and sisters. Right? Um, brothers and sisters. And, and that's, that's what we are. We're, we're a family. And a family has a mission. A family works together. And families learn from each other. But that's not all a family is. So we're going to talk about that today. What does it mean that we're a family? Well, we just read in verse 13, he said, so a lot of people are going to reject Jesus. Okay? A lot of people are going to, you know, even though they're created by him, he, he loves them, but a lot of people reject Jesus. But to those who don't reject him, who receive him and believe in him and trust in him, he gives the right to become children of God. To become children of God. So, so first of all, when we think about the fact that we are children of God, we're not slaves of God. We're not employees of God. We're not servants of God. We are those things in some ways. But, but what we are at, at the core is we are children of God. What does this mean? Well, first of all, it means that we have a father. We have a father. And this is, when we think about family being kind of a loaded term that brings up different feelings and emotions for each of us, well, I would say father is maybe one of the most loaded terms within the family, right? Some of us might think of a father as being somebody who's been just a, a pillar of strength and direction, somebody that shows you love and affection and guidance. You know, for some of us, too, we, we might experience... Um, fatherhood as being, we think of somebody who's, who's, who's stern, who, who, never, who doesn't show affection, um, or, or maybe, maybe somebody who's a workaholic, somebody who's never around, whatever. We all have different things that, we all have different baggage that we're bringing to this idea of father. And, and the thing is that we have to be careful of is that we end up putting this baggage on God. And, and there's something in our heart that kind of assumes that our father in heaven is like our father on the earth. And that may be true and that may not be true. But, but here's the thing, that for us as believers, when we believe in Jesus, we're not just forgiven. I think so many times we don't have enough joy when we think about our salvation. Remember this, when Jesus tells his disciples, he sends them out to go preach the gospel, okay? And, and, and they see miracles done. They see uh, demons cast out. They see people... Um, they see miracles happen. They see all this cool stuff happen. And Jesus come, and they, they come back to Jesus, and they're, of course, so excited. They say, man, we saw this happen and that happen. And, and what does Jesus say? He says, don't, don't rejoice that demons, that demons submit to you, as if that's a big deal. Right? Don't, don't, don't rejoice that the demons do what you say, and you can cast out demons and work these miracles. What does he say to rejoice in? He says, rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. And why do we sometimes miss that joy? How come, how come, I mean, if I'm being perfectly honest, how come so often, if, if I were to put those two side by side, being able to cast out demons, or the fact that my name is written in the book of life, I, I might get really excited about if demons were obeying me, but, but on a daily basis, I'm not really, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm saved, yay, you know? Why is that? I think a big part of that reason is that we, we think that, in Christ, we are just forgiven. We think that's all Christianity is. We think that's all the gospel is, that you're a sinner, but if you believe in Jesus, you can be forgiven. And that's certainly true, but it's much better than that. In Christ, 
Our sins are forgiven, but we're also adopted. We're adopted as sons, as sons and daughters. And our Father in heaven, perhaps like our Father on the earth, maybe not like our Father on the earth, he guides us. He leads us. He teaches us how we should live. And not only that, he comforts us. He comforts us. He's not an absentee father. He's not a do as I say and not as I do father. In John 14, when Jesus is telling his disciples that he's going to go, he's going he's to leave, he, he's telling them that God is going to come and live with them in the form of the Holy Spirit. Basically, God is going to be with you 24-7, every moment of every day. And how does he describe, we think about all the different words that he could use to describe God's presence with them through the Holy Spirit, right? So, oh, he's going he's gonna to teach you things. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna do this, he's going to do that. But what is the word that he uses in that moment to describe the presence of God through the Holy Spirit that's going to be with us and inside of us? He says, the comforter. He says, I'm going, but the comforter is going to be with you. God is our comforter. And so we have a father in heaven. He's a good father, and he loves us. We should listen to our father. We should obey our father. Because our father knows better than we do. And sometimes we're going to feel like we want to do something that we know our father wouldn't approve of. But do we trust that our Father in heaven, who is the light of the world, that he really does know best, and are we willing to submit ourselves to him? Because we have a good Father, and we're not just forgiven, we're adopted into his family. That's number one, that we have a Father. Number two, we have a big brother. We have a big brother, who's Jesus. Um, you know, I, I'm an only child, and... Growing up as an only child has lots of perks. You get a lot of attention. You get a lot of toys. Um, but, you know, I, I can't help but feeling sometimes, there have been times in my life when I've thought, man, I, I, wouldn't it be so cool to have a brother, to have a big brother that you can kind of look up to and, and kind of take it? And, and then sometimes I'll see the way some brothers treat their younger brothers and sisters, and I think, thank goodness I don't have a brother. Thank goodness I'm an only child. Um, but, but... Uh, I, I thought that so often. Wouldn't it be so cool to have a, a good? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to have a bad big brother, but a good big brother. That that would be that would be really cool. That would be that would be that would be really great. Um, in Matthew 28, after remember Jesus is in Matthew 28, Jesus is just he's risen from the dead, and, and right before he rose from the dead, when he was about to be crucified, his disciples that he spent close to three years, you know, living with them, eating with them traveling with them, ministering with them, and then all of them betray him. Right? They all betray him. And they just, then they start to despair. They think, oh, man, this is all over. And they just, they're, 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 they're devastated. And they give up. And Jesus raises from the dead. And in Matthew 28, he, he's, there's the women that come to the tomb, and they're, um, they're, uh, they, they, see, they see Jesus. And Jesus tells them, he says, he says, go, he says, don't be afraid. But he says, go and tell my brothers. Go and tell my brothers that I'm going to go meet them in Galilee. I think that's so amazing that the term Jesus uses for the people that just betrayed him, 
his brothers. He said, in Hebrews it says that he's not ashamed to call us his brothers. And so in Jesus, we have, whether we have a, 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 a whether we're an only child like me, whether you have a bad big brother or a good big brother um, on this earth, we, if we believe in Jesus, we have a good big brother in heaven. A brother who loves us and who can show us the way. Well, how should we interact with him? In, in Romans, uh, Romans 8, 28 through, through 30, I, I want to ask you to turn there just for time's sake. But this is a very well-known passage. What most of us know the first part of this verse. It says um, that God, our, our Father, again, our Father's got everything under control. That's why we can trust him. He has everything under control. And not only does he have it under control, he's working everything. He's moving everything around. He's working in and through every situation in our life for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Okay, that's, that's comforting, right? But what's the, what's the rest of that verse? What is the good that God is working in our life? It says, in 29 and 30, it says that because the people that he foreknew, he also predestined to, to be what? To be conformed to the image of his son. Okay, so what it's saying is that God is using every, if you believe in Jesus, God, you can, you, can, you can take heart, you can have hope, because God is using everything in your life, the good stuff, the bad stuff, the, the fun stuff, the hard stuff, he's using all of it for your good. And specifically, he's using everything in your life so you can become more like your big brother, Jesus. He's working everything together for the good of those who love him, because those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that his son Jesus might be the firstborn among many brothers. Okay, we have a good big brother. So since we have a good big brother, we should follow his example. We should follow our big brother's example. We should follow his example in the way we interact with our friends. We should follow his example and his teaching in the way we interact with our Heavenly Father. We should follow his example with the way we treat each other, the way we work, the way we play, every area of our life. Because we have a, not just somebody who's, you know, 20, 30, 40 years older than us that, you know, it was probably, oh, back in my day, you know, had to walk up, up walk uphill both ways to school and you can't really relate to it. We have a brother who is living alongside of us, going through what we're going through, and we can follow his example. Guess number two, we have a big brother, and we should follow his example. Um, finally, number three, um, because we are members of God's family, we are all brothers and sisters. We're all brothers and sisters. So again, how do you think about the people that, that are sitting next to you right now? Now, I look out right now, and I see people of different ages, people of different life stages. I see people of different ethnic backgrounds, people of different races. And, and, and what is our relationship with each other? Well, God would, God would tell us that because of Jesus, we're brothers and sisters. We're brothers and sisters. And in a way that is, is, is every bit as real and maybe even more real than the relationship that you have with brothers and sisters that grew up in the same nuclear family as you. Um, yeah, just the other day, I was uh, so I, I've been been meeting um, every every week or so with a group of guys with um, with with uh, Travis and with with men and with Matt Embry, and the four of us have been getting together. And you know, just the 
the other day, as we were meeting, we were sitting, we were huddled under under the tent here at the, at the office, just huddled up next to one of the, the heaters, trying to trying to warm our hands. And um, I just couldn't help but think, you know, as, as, I, as I look around at, at the, the four of us together, I mean, the, the only thing we have in common is that we're, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, right? You know, um, you know, men's family came over from, from, from Asia when he was a little kid. Travis grew up on a, a Mennonite farm in, in Canada. You know, I'm from, I'm from the suburbs in, in South Carolina. What do we have in common? Well, we're brothers. We're brothers. I don't have any brothers in the flesh, but I have a lot of brothers and sisters because, because of Christ. Well, what does that mean for us? We should, we should listen to our Heavenly Father. We should follow our big brother's example. And finally, we should love our brothers and sisters. We should love our brothers and sisters. Because there's something special. You know, siblings, um, sometimes siblings get on each other's nerves. Sometimes we get on each other's nerves. Sometimes siblings have different political opinions. Right? Sometimes we have different political opinions. Sometimes siblings might have different opinions about how important it is to wear a mask. Sometimes we might have different opinions about stuff like that too, right? But at the end of the day, you're brothers and sisters. We're brothers and sisters, and and so so we should love each other. I, just think about this just for a second, and, and then we'll then we'll close. Um, you know, th- this has been a really divisive season politically. Um, and I know all of us have our opinions about about political stuff, uh, about candidates and about policies and and, and all those things, and. Um, and, and those are, I don't mean to minimize those things at all. They're very important. But, um, but I, I want you just to, to think, I know that, that within, our, within our, our family, some of us have different opinions about, about politics. I, I want you just to, to think for a second. It, imagine somebody that's in your spiritual family who, who you know has opinions about something that, that, that are very different from your opinions about that same thing. Maybe it's politics, maybe it's, maybe it's uh, how careful we need to be with COVID, whatever it is. Imagine, don't look at them, don't point to them, but, but uh, imagine, think of somebody in your mind that's a part of our church that, that you know has different opinions, and maybe, if you're being honest, it can irritate you a little bit sometimes. Well, think about that person. I want to ask you a question. Who do you think is going to be, who do you think is going to be the president of the United States a thousand years from now? Which, which political party do you think is going to be in power in America a thousand years from now? That's a tough question, right? I mean, is there going to be a United States of America in a thousand years? I hope so. You know, not many of us, I, I don't know many people, I haven't seen many people on Facebook who support the Whig Party, right? So, so it's a very good chance that, that, that politics is going to look a lot different in a thousand years if there are politics in a thousand years if Jesus hasn't come back yet. But remember, 
in a thousand years, all that stuff will very likely be completely irrelevant. But that person that you're thinking of in your mind is still going to be your brother or is still going to be your sister. So we should love each other because we're, we're a family. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you. Thank you that you, thank you for coming. Thank you for, for loving us. God, thank you that you, you didn't just forgive our sins, but you adopted us into your family. And God, I'm, I'm thankful this morning that I get to be here with my brothers and sisters as a, as a person who, um, who grew up as an only child. I'm thankful for for my brothers and sisters in Christ. And Father, I just pray that you would really bind our hearts together in unity and love. Um, God, I pray that we would submit ourselves to you. And, and I just pray for joy. Um, God, family can be so hard sometimes, but it can be so fun and just such an incredible blessing. And I pray that we would be a blessing to each other. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.